0: Washington, D.C., this is On the Ground. As the world honors the 125th birthday of the artist and revolutionary Paul Robeson, his fight against racism and fascism is as relevant today as ever. An in-depth talk with Robeson biographer, the prolific author and activist, Professor Gerald Horn.
1: He felt that if you could speak to people in their own tongue, you could more effectively reach them. And he wanted to effectively reach them in pursuit of this anti-fascist agenda, in pursuit of this anti-racist agenda, which redounded to the benefit of Paul Robeson.
0: Also, two young black lawmakers make a triumphant return to the Tennessee state legislature after being expelled for leading a peaceful protest for sane gun laws.
2: Our democracy is powered by people, and people power always wins.
0: All this and much more coming up. Welcome to On the Ground, ground OnTheGroundShow.org, voices of resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Iveram. Advocacy groups are warning that travelers might be at risk if they visit the state of Florida, citing a flurry of recent legislation that's hostile toward LGBTQ people, women and people of color. On Thursday, Equality Florida issued a statement saying that because of restrictions on access to reproductive health care and its repeal of gun safety laws, Florida, quote, may not be a safe place to move to or visit, end quote. The Florida Immigration Coalition also issued a blunt advisory that read, quote, reconsider travel to Florida due to unconstitutional laws which abuse civil liberties. Travel to Florida poses a heightened risk of harassment, possible detainment and potential family separation based on racial profiling. End quote, the advisory said. Also in Florida on Thursday, lawmakers sent legislation to Governor Ron DeSantis banning abortion after six weeks when many women do not even know that they are pregnant. The Shelby County, Tennessee Board of Commissioners voted unanimously Wednesday to reappoint Justin Pearson to the Tennessee House of Representatives less than a week after the Republican led House voted to expel him and Justin Jones from the body for joining peaceful protests against gun violence after a Nashville school massacre. Pearson and Jones were the two youngest black lawmakers in the Tennessee House. The Nashville Metropolitan Council unanimously voted Monday to restore Justin Jones to office as well. Both men are sworn back into office, but must participate in a special election. Here in D.C., protesters rallied outside the Department of Justice on Tuesday, April 11th, to mark four years since Julian Assange was dragged from asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy in London and imprisoned in London's Belmarsh prison under conditions that amount to torture. This is CIA whistleblower John Kiriakou.
2: This case is no longer just about Julian Assange. This case is about the Constitution. This case is about the First Amendment freedom of speech and freedom of press. If Julian Assange goes to prison, then all of us are liable to be prosecuted for something. What they've always wanted is what the British have, the Official Secrets Act, right, in which you can't even utter a single word that might possibly perhaps maybe someday be potentially classified, and then you end up going to prison. That's what they want here.
0: During the rally, as peace activist Jerry Condon spoke, a young man stripped naked and attempted to burn his clothes before being confronted by protesters who said that though he had Free Assange tattooed on his body, that they did not know him. The young man was later arrested by police. D.C. Black Lives Matter activists are seeking justice for the family of 17-year-old Delineo Martin, who was shot five times in the back on March 18th, by a United States Park police officer after he was found sleeping in an allegedly stolen car. In culture and media, the Paul Robeson House in Philadelphia is continuing its celebration of Robeson's 125th birthday with an April 15th gala featuring artist and activist Harry Belafonte and installation of a stained glass front door created by the Los Angeles-based artist Ramses, depicting Robeson in a blue winter overcoat and warm hat. And those are headlines and happenings. Stay with us.
3: Say that you have reached the very end When leaden skies a bitter future may portend For sure the hour for which we end will yet arrive And and our marching steps Will thunder, we survive For sure the hour For which we yearn Will yet arrive And our marching steps Will thunder, we survive Not lead but blood inscribed This bitter song we sing Tis not a caroling Of birds upon the wing But twas a people midst the crashing fires Of hell That sang this song And fought courage just till it fell. But twas a people midst the crashing fires of hell that sang this song and fought courageous till it fell. So, when it came, all us do gays de blitzen weg, then him and blind of our stellin' bloietig, while cummin wet noch uns roiske painter shaw, uns that a poik tones a trot mir sein in da. Weil kommen wird noch unser Eis Pink der Schar, uns wird er beugt und seinen Tagen. Geschrieben ist das Lied mit Blut und nicht mit Blei, es ist nicht ein Lied von so Vogel auf der Frei, noch hot auf Volk zwischen fallen die Kalend, das Lied gesungen mit einer in sind die Hände.
0: And now I'm joined by our geopolitical analyst, Professor Gerald Horn. He's the Morris Professor of History and African American Studies at the University of Houston. Welcome back to the show, Gerald. Thank you. You know, here we are, we're marking the 125th birthday of Paul Robeson, the actor, orator, athlete, lawyer, singer, author, scholar, linguist, and activist. And here in DC, I've been kind of shepherding this special week of celebration here at WPFW. And in the process, I've heard you expound on Robeson on other birthdays, like listening to audio in the archives. It could have been like his 80th birthday or his 100th birthday also speaking to a longtime Pacifica producer, A.C. Bird, here at WPFW. And as I listened to, I don't know, just so many just valuable recordings this week, I started to wonder if there's anything more to say other than the amazing story of his life at the 125th anniversary of his birth. Is there any story more important than to just tell the story of his life? I think so.
1: Uh, First, a historical point and then a point concerning the ongoing legacy of Robeson. I find it fascinating that Robeson, as early as the 1940s, said that in order to prepare him psychologically to play the role of Othello, Shakespeare's Othello, who, recall, was betrayed tremendously uh, during the course of that play, That he imagined that he would be betrayed by his closest comrade, speaking of the black communist lawyer, Ben Davis Jr., who had been elected to the New York City Council in 1943, re-elected in 1945, before put on trial in 1949 and slapped in federal prison. And then there's the legacy of Robeson. It should be clear to the most dense by now that if Robeson's advice concerning a friendship with Moscow had been followed, the United States, and including U.S. imperialism, would not have embarked upon this anti-Soviet entente with the People's Republic of China that led to massive direct foreign investment in China, which has now created this juggernaut. And now, as we speak, There are massive U.S. military maneuvers in the Philippines off the coast of China, China's maneuvers off the coast of the rebel province of Taiwan, all a direct result of not adhering to the legacy of Paul Robeson. And assuming that humanity is not overwhelmed by climate change or nuclear war, I dare say that a century from now, will still be able to draw uh, lessons from the immense legacy of one Paul Robeson.
0: I think that when I talked about just telling the story of his life, it's just such an amazing life when you think about him being born in 1898. And when I listened to the interview with Dorothy Gilliam that she did after she wrote her biography in the 70s, she just talked about how that was just two years after the Plessy versus Ferguson. Supreme Court case, which set up this so-called separate but equal system of apartheid that would last for, you know, almost the next century. And how, despite that, you know, he, you know, he just, um, he, he thrived despite all that and despite all the, the obstacles in his way. And even now, uh, more than a century later, there are still like important lessons, you know, for young people in our communities about that. And so that I guess that's what I really meant. But when you talked about, you know, current events in China and today's Russia, formerly the Soviet Union, I thought about when I was leaving the Washington Post. And I I don't know if I told you this story before, because I know I interviewed you when your biography came out. Paul Robeson artist as revolutionary in 2016. But at the point that I was uh, leaving the post, I could not get my article on Paul Robeson into the paper. (laughs) It just like couldn't happen. This was the centennial of Paul Robeson's birth and I was working in the style section. And so the editor, the editor of the style section said to me, well, you know, Paul Robeson wound up on the wrong side of history. And so, my story was supposed to say that, <laughs> and it was obviously it wasn't gonna say that, so that quickly led to the end of my tenure there, my voluntary exit and so it's funny you mentioned you know all these current events because I was just thinking the same thing that even if I think about everything that happened after that incident. In the late '90s, when I think about the invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan, the destruction of Libya, and and even now this you know hysterical uh, attempt to you know prevent China's rise and you know Russia's uh, influence in its own region, you know I think about the the arrogant blindness of that statement by the editor, and how right Paul Robeson was, and that he wasn't on the wrong that he wasn't on the wrong side of history. And so I guess as an historian, I want you to kind of react to my experience.
1: Well, first of all, one of the possible demerits of Paul Robeson is that he really didn't write that much. Uh, he wrote a slim memoir, Here I Stand. Uh, he was not a consummate writer of letters like his comrade W.E.B. Du Bois, but he, in the early 1950s, he did write a foreword to a memoir written by a Filipino revolutionary, Luis Taruc, which I just read the other day. And he mentions that he was born in 1898, as the traditional story goes, when U.S. imperialism was taking off with jet propulsion, with the knockout blow delivered, to the tottering Spanish empire, uh, grabbing Guam and Philippines and Puerto Rico and Cuba and other uh, territories as well. And uh, it's not perhaps coincidental that the takeoff, the accelerated takeoff of U.S. imperialism uh, takes place as one of its staunchest opponents. Speaking of Paul Robeson, Uh, enters the planet Earth. And certainly, I would hope that if that editor you mentioned is still around, that said editor would recognize that by grappling toe-to-toe with an emergent fascism beginning in the 1930s and grappling with lynching of Black people as a leader of a premier uh, anti lynching organization, and then uh, filing a petition with the United Nations under the aegis of the Civil Rights Congress, now defunct, but then led by another close comrade, speaking of another black communist lawyer, William L. Patterson, which brought US imperialism and white supremacy into the worldwide dock, which created inord- inordinate pressure on US imperialism to retreat from the more egregious aspects of white supremacy, which then began to take place in the 1950s on into the 1960s. But as a direct result, there was a ritualistic sacrifice of Paul Robeson. That is to say, his income plummeted from the six figures to the low four figures. There were attempts on his life. His passport was snatched. There was an attempt to destroy him, to keep him from performing in concert halls from the Atlantic to the Pacific until a global movement arose that allowed his passport to be returned. In which case, he then embarked on a worldwide tour that was somewhat overwhelming in terms of not only his health, but the health of his spouse, Islanda Good Robeson. She dying prematurely about 11 years or so before his unfortunate, untimely passing in 1976. And so I would hope that your editor, who I assume is a literate person, uh, would acquaint himself or herself uh, with the basic facts and perhaps might want to revise that wrongheaded idea that Mr. Robeson was on the wrong side of history.
0: I'm not really sure if, when I look at the the acts of, even the people in power right now, the, just say the Biden administration, the neocons, and this administration, those that existed in administrations before this one, if that's necessarily so. I, there's no sense of reflection or even any ability to retreat. Only to kind of keep going. <laughs> no de-escalation. In other words, just escalation, and. Maybe that's something that Paul Robeson saw during his lifetime. Uh, you said something that that made me want to go back to to have you talk about his time when he went to Europe. He graduated from Rutgers Phi Beta Kappa. He was an All American football player. He was he graduated for Columbia Law School. Uh, he tried to work as a lawyer, as an attorney, but the basic administrative staff at the law firm wouldn't like work with him. They wouldn't like take his dictation or, or whatever. And he, with the encouragement of his wife, Eslanda went on into the theater, went, went into singing and acting and, and trying his hand at the stage. Now at that, at some point he goes and he leaves for Europe. And I think listening to you, uh, some of your talks this week and other, uh conversations I understand that he probably uh during that time in europe was very uh important because he not only learned a lot more about uh, or if you want to call it left politics uh he he met african leaders african people uh from from the continent studying there many of these people would go on to become uh leaders in Africa so i just wanted you to kind of break down what it meant for him to become an international person and leaving the United States the first time.
1: Well, as you suggest, Robeson spent most of the 1920s and 1930s based, headquartered in London and stayed there until approximately 1939, 1940, and perhaps would have stayed there indefinitely. But for the intervention of the war in Europe, which we encapsulate as World War II, feeling that it would not be helpful to his family to be trapped by, in, behind enemy lines. And recall that during the German bombing of the UK, uh, you had Londoners sleeping in subway stations in order to escape the damage. And that's what brought him back across the Atlantic to this uh, fateful rendezvous with history uh, in the United States of America. But London was a city that appealed tremendously uh, to Mr. Robeson. And I think it's because London, then the capital of the sprawling British Empire, had attracted to its neighborhoods an array of stellar activists and intellectuals, including Jomo Kenyatta, the founding father of Kenya, uh, Kwame Nkrumah, the founding father of Ghana, C.L.R. James, the author of the still stirring book on the Haitian Revolution, The Black Jacobins, others too numerous to mention. And then, of course, there were the intellectuals, British intellectuals uh, in London. uh, I'm thinking of the... uh, so-called Anglo-Indian intellectual R. Palm Depp, whose works, including fascism and social revolution, are still worth perusing, particularly since the F word has not disappeared from these shores. And I think that it was in London that he, as he suggested, received his basic political education, uh, even though he was a linguist uh, speaking Numerous languages, particularly all of the premier European languages, but particularly Russian, and it was oftentimes suggested uh, that uh, it was Moscow's ubiquitous hand that helped to educate Robeson, but actually, as he suggested, it was London and coming face to face with British imperialism and the British Empire that stirred his political awakening. Not to mention the trip he took to Berlin in the 1930s when fascism was beginning to bear its fangs and coming face to face with that ugly system, uh, that too led to a certain kind of political awakening. Not to mention uh, his appearance in Spain circa 1937 in the midst of a grueling civil war between fascists led by the eventual winner, Francisco Franco, and the Republican government, uh, which was destabilized and overthrown, uh, not least because of the outside interference by fascist Germany and fascist Italy. Uh, That too helped to lead to a political awakening of Paul Robeson. Indeed, when asked to define his politics, More often than not, he would say his politics were anti-fascist. And that, too, is a lesson that we would do well to imbibe, particularly as noted because fascism has not disappeared, to put it mildly, uh, from these shores. And Robeson's uh, life and his legacy uh, provides very rich and fertile lessons that we all can learn from.
0: When you mentioned anti-fascists, it reminded me of his testimony, and I'll play a little clip, uh, before the House Un-American Activities Committee.
4: Why do you not stay in Russia? Because my father was a slave, and my people died to build this country. And I'm going to stay here and have a part of it just like you, and no fascist-minded people will drive me from it. You are here because you are promoting the communist cause. I am here because I'm opposing the neo-fascist cause, which I see arising in these committees.
0: And that is actually the actor James Earl Jones reenacting the the testimony. In that famous statement, he talks about how, you know, his people built this country and that he wasn't going to have any fascist minded people (laughs) take it from him but one of the other pieces that i was really struck by this week was his his i guess speech and some singing uh when he appeared at the freedom ways tribute to him and this would have been in i think 1968 and he talked about uh just the importance of art but he was very firm in just kind of talking about the 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 importance of the struggle at that point and how it had had evolved from during the time when he was he was speaking out in earlier decades. I'm mean, just play, play a little piece of that.
4: Forms of expression may be different. The political, economic, and social systems under which we live may be different. But art reflects a common humanity. And further, much of the contemporary art reflecting our time has to do with the struggles for equality, human dignity, freedom, peace, and mutual understanding. The aspirations for a better life are similar indeed all over the world, and when expressed in art are universally understood. While we become aware of great variety, we recognize the universality, the unity, the oneness, of many of the peoples in our contemporary world. In relation to this, in our travels, we visited many peoples in socialist countries. Today, we know that hundreds of millions of people, a majority of the world's population, are living in socialist countries or are moving in a socialist direction and that newly emancipated nations of Africa and Asia are seriously considering the question as to which economic system best fits their needs. Some of their most outstanding leaders agree that the best role to the people's goals is through a socialist development and they point to the advances made by the Soviet Union, the People's Republic of China, Cuba, and other socialist countries as proof of their contention. The large question as to which society is better for humanity is never settled by argument. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Let the various social systems compete with each other under conditions of peaceful coexistence and the people can decide for themselves.
0: So, that was him speaking at the Freedom Ways tribute to him in New York City in, I think, circa 1968.
1: Well, listeners may not recall the notoriety, if you like, of Freedom Ways Magazine, which came into existence in the early 1960s and then was driven out of business by the mid-1980s. But one of its founders and editors was Jack O'Dell, who also, you may recall, served as chairperson of the board of Pacifica Radio, and as well had been a close advisor to Martin Luther King Jr. before President Kennedy and his attorney general brother Robert Kennedy took Dr. King into the Rose Garden of the White House to escape the possible surveillance of the pugnacious FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover to warn Mr. King, Dr. King, about Jack O'Dell, who it was said had Communist Party connections and Dr. King was told to get rid of Jack. And of course, Dr. King on the surface agreed, but tried to maintain underground connections to his close advisor, which then led to Jacob Hoover, who was monitoring Dr. King's every move to suggest that Dr. King was a notorious liar because he said, that is to say Mr. Hoover said, that he did not maintain his vow. And so that event at Freedom Ways magazine Also follows in the wake of Jack O'Dell, after distancing himself from uh, Dr. King, uh, publishing um, Dr. King's uh, essay, which will resonate throughout the decades, explaining why he was coming out against the war in Vietnam. And certainly the fact that that appeared in Freedom Ways magazine did not win Dr. King Uh, many uh, friends at the FBI headquarters or at the White House, too, for that matter. And as we mark the 55th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King, we can fairly say that in coming out against the war in Vietnam, he was not only walking in the footsteps of Paul Robeson, who you may recall came out against the war in Korea in the early 1950s, That was a turning point in terms of the persecution of Paul Robeson because coming out against that war, combined with his filing a petition with the United Nations charging the U.S. with genocide against Black people, that led to the further bludgeoning of Paul Robeson, the attempt to cut him down to size, if you like. And so, to a degree, you can see. This connection, this parallel between Dr. King, who fortunately uh, is remembered, although the memory of him is somewhat distorted by the reality that folks forget he was not necessarily popular in the elite circles when he died or was killed in 1968, and Paul Robeson, who there is no doubt, I think, amongst any, including your former Washington Post editor that uh, he was uh, necessarily despised by many people in the elite when he passed away in January 1976.
0: I have to take a break right now, but we'll be back.
3: When Israel was in Egypt's land, so hard they could not stand.
0: This is On the Ground, ground OnTheGroundShow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Averam, and I'm in conversation with our geopolitical analyst, Professor Gerald Horn, about the 125th birthday of Paul Robeson. Uh, And Gerald, one of the other uh, pieces that I really liked this week was recorded by a program called Black Power Talks by WBPU. 96.3 FM, Black Power 96 in St. Petersburg, Florida. And this is the uh, members of the Huru movement. And uh, this particular piece was hosted by Matsumela Odom and Sayana Bekele. And they also uh, included a piece by Professor Yousef Doucette of the Joko Collective in Los Angeles. And they were really just talking about including Robeson in a larger history of how African-American artists have been targeted by the state. So not only was uh, Robeson's life discussed, they talked about, I guess, fairly recently, there were papers uh, released uh, indicating that Aretha Franklin was surveilled and monitored by, like, the FBI or the so called intelligence uh, surveillance industry here, or surveillance state here, as well as Billie Holiday, Miriam Akiba, Humas Akila, Horace Tapscott, and Nina Simone.
2: What these attacks on our artists and our arts indicate is the, the importance of, of ideas and them wanting to make sure they control our ideas, in effect. Uh, The FBI, the state they represent, and not just the state, but the civil society that they represent, Uh, they are only interested in not only colonizing our bodies, not only exploiting our labor in all its various forms, but keeping our imaginations colonized. So they fight tooth and nail and will do anything to control the kinds of ideas that get out, and the people who are producing those ideas, and we can look, you know, before there is an FBI. Uh, just looking at the 19th century, uh, just a couple of examples from the 19th century, the uh, the importance to the state at that time to limit the distribution and, and indeed get rid of the distribution of uh, David Walker's appeals, a, a work that becomes contraband. And David Walker himself, a year after publication, uh, is found dead under mysterious circumstances on his front door. The activist, freedom fighter, uh, Martin Delaney, right, who writes this novel, Blake or the Cabins of America, which imagines an insurrection among Africans um, in what had become the United States and these Africans hooking up with Africans in Central America, in the Caribbean, and creating our own independent state rather than remaining under the rule of the United States. And this kind of book gets suppressed, is allowed to go out of print. It's kept away from the audience that needs to read it, right, to 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 fire that imagination.
0: It was a very, very interesting piece, but I just wanted to open up the conversation about just the larger issue of uh, around Black artists and how uh, Robeson was, in addition to being the forerunner to Malcolm and Martin Luther King, he was also a forerunner to these other artists being targeted.
1: Well, that is certainly the case. Uh, Speaking of Aretha Franklin, you recall that she was one of the staunchest and most stalwart supporters of the intellectual and activist Angela Y. Davis after she came under assault and was arrested and jailed in the early 1970s before uh, being acquitted in California. Recall as well the story of Elizabeth
0: Catlett,
1: who was a leading black sculptress whose persecution was so severe because of her ties to the left that eventually she sought exile south of the border in Mexico, uh, where she spent the years seeking to escape political persecution. Your audience, I'm sure, is familiar with Lorraine Hansberry, who dies prematurely in January 1965 in her early 30s. Recall that Robeson and Malcolm X uh, attended uh, her funeral. This is, of course, a few weeks before Malcolm X himself was slain in New York City. Lorraine Hansberry, you may recall, had the award-winning play Raisin on the Sun, premiere on Broadway. She worked with Robeson in the early 1950s when Robeson had a newspaper entitled Freedom, uh, a newspaper which, whose issues are still worth poring over and studying. And in fact, when Robeson was not able to attend in the early 1950s, an important international meeting uh, south of the border in Montevideo, in Uruguay, uh, he sent Lorraine Hansberry uh, in his stead. And of course, there's the great Chanteuse singer, uh, actor, activist Josephine Baker, born in St. Louis, who escapes into exile in Europe, a la Robeson, in the 1920s. France, in her case, becomes a star in France and then a stalwart of the anti-Nazi resistance in France, which led a few months ago to her being installed, that is to say her remains, in the Pantheon, one of the highest honors that a French national, which she became, can receive. Recall that she came back to her homeland, speaking of the United States of America, but was so turned off during this journey in the 1950s that she fled in disgust back to Europe. So there is a long history of artists, activist artists, particularly Black women activists, artists who have been influenced by Paul Robeson, Lorraine Hansberry in the first instance, but certainly it does not stop there.
0: Her husband, uh, Robert Nemiroff, actually reads from her work at that same Freedom Ways tribute, uh, you know, saying how it was just almost unthinkable that she wouldn't be there. And uh, read some of her work and I guess, you know, kind of appeared for her, you know, in her stead, you know, at that tribute. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about in terms of Paul Robeson at 125?
1: Well, sure. Uh, That is to say his study of languages, which he saw not only as an intellectual task, but a political task. When he traveled, and of course, before his passport was taken, he traveled widely, he usually had a small recorder with him that included language tapes, and he would study languages in his spare time. He suggested that if he had not taken the course that he did, he would have been a professor of philology, that is to say, a professor who studied the construction and history of languages. In my book on Robeson, I talk about an episode where he was about to embark on a concert tour in Norway, and he thought that it would be useful to learn some Norwegian because he felt that if you could speak to people in their own tongue, you could more effectively reach them. And he wanted to effectively reach them in pursuit of this anti-fascist agenda in pursuit of this anti-racist agenda, which redounded to the benefit of Paul Robeson. And as we mark his 125th anniversary, we would be remiss if we fail to acknowledge uh, that there were those, uh, not least in the NAACP, who did not stand tall on behalf of Robeson when he was coming under assault in the early 1950s because of his anti-racist stances, because of his anti-imperialist stances, because of his anti-fascist stances. And uh, I guess the NAACP leadership were too bedazzled by the short-term gains and benefits they thought would accrue by siding with the ruling class at that historic moment. Uh, But alas, as we stare down the barrel of an emergent fascism and we see, sadly and tragically, that some of our mainstream leadership do not have the scope of experience or the political wherewithal to understand what's going on, to build the kinds of alliances that are so needed and so desperately needed at this fraught moment, uh, we can see, once again, that uh, there are many of us who could really learn quite a bit from studying the immense legacy of Paul Robson and most of all learning what not to do, that is to say follow following that weasel trail that was pursued by some centrist liberal, and moderate leaders so called of the NAACP.
0: Wow, you know when you mentioned the and uh, Anti-fascist—that was a, a a favorite target during the Trump administration. Antifa, <laughs> and people people will know that term because, in addition to Black Lives Matter, Antifa was a frequent target of former President Trump. And but people really didn't know that Antifa meant anti-fascist and when you talk about the movements today, which include the movement for black lives, which includes, you know, so many, uh, movements of young people who aren't as afraid of socialism, who embrace socialism. Then you can see that, um, many of these movements are also an offshoot or, or a current, um, a current, um, outgrowth of the, you know, the seeds that were, that were sown during Rob Robeson's life, and uh that were carried on later by people who didn't take the path of NAACP leaders that you discussed that um there there are more people who who see the links not only of what's happening here but what's happening you know around the world and it's to the point where when you see some of these um I don't know, some of the the movements that people kind of glom onto that are totally domestic, you know, that are totally just dealing with what's happening here. It's almost like there's a blindness when they can't see that, you know, you can't just fight for your rights here and ignore, you know, the injustice like in Africa or south of the border. Uh, there's going to be an important conference here later this month Uh, marking the 200th anniversary of the Monroe Doctrine. And, you know, there was one speech that uh, Robeson gave when, no, actually it was his interview with KPFA uh, in 1958. And he talked about how uh, something had changed and he was able to travel in this hemisphere. And so I wondered If he had, you know, I wondered if he had presence. I know about the Peace Arch Conference uh, concert uh, that was between the U.S. and Canada, uh, but I was wondering about his presence elsewhere in this hemisphere, like in the Caribbean uh, and in South America, Central America.
1: Well, in my book, I talk about his trips to Jamaica, also a frequent landing spot, I should add, for Dr. King as well. Jamaica being the bulwark of the so-called Anglo-Caribbean, that is to say the Caribbean islands filled heavily and disproportionately with people of African descent, uh, formerly colonized uh, by London and therefore uh, mostly English-speaking. Robeson had struck up a friendship with Norman Manley, a founding father of independent Jamaica when it comes to independence in 1962. Listeners may be familiar with his son, Michael Manley, who became a prime minister of that island in the 1970s at a time when Bob Marley was rising uh, to prominence, and at a time when Michael Manley himself was seeking to establish a relationship with socialist Cuba, the Cuban Revolution erupting or consolidating, I should say, in 1959. Uh, Robeson, of course was a student of the Cuban Revolution. Uh, Robeson was in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. And Robeson also visited Hawaii, uh, which, as you know, was an independent state as late as the 1890s before the regime was overthrown in an early flexing of muscles by U.S. imperialism and then became a white supremacist colony in the Middle of the Pacific before being annexed as a state, 50th and perhaps final state in 1959. Robson was in solidarity with the unions there, the unions being heavily influenced by the International Longshore and Warehouse Union, headquartered in San Francisco under the leadership of the Australian-born Harry Bridges, who led the San Francisco General Strike of 1934, which catapulted that union into prominence. And then the union began to organize all along the West Coast and spreading its wings into Hawaii, where it helped to transform what had been a citadel of white supremacy into what is the closest thing we have to social democracy uh, under the U.S. flag uh, as we speak. So, Robeson was an internationalist. Uh, That is why he learned so many languages. That is why when his passport was taken in the early 1950s, it was such a grievous blow because that meant he was trapped within the four corners of the United States of America. And that's also the reason why when his passport was returned after an international struggle to make sure that that happened, that in a sense he overdid it By traveling, uh, for example, not only to Europe, but down under to Australia and New Zealand, uh, down under uh, engaging in acts of solidarity with the still besieged indigenous population uh, of Australia. So once again, Robeson's life and legacy leaves us with many rich lessons that we would be remiss if we fail to study these lessons.
0: One of the things that I, I received too late to kind of prepare for you was uh, uh, two sections of a speech given by C.L.R. James. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I'm going to listen to it. And, you know, maybe if, if you are able to listen, you, we can comment. You can kind of like hit me back and you can comment on it. <laughs> but um, I just received it just like a couple of hours ago from the Pacifica Radio Archives I was just like so thrilled that this was actually a recording of CLR James. So well anyway, I, I so appreciate you joining me. I've been speaking with our geopolitical analyst, Professor Gerald Horn. He's a Morris Professor of History and African American Studies at the University of Houston. And um he's also the a biographer of Paul, Paul Robeson. His book is Paul Robeson, the artist as revolutionary. And I think we did discuss that book when we came at, when you, when it was published in 2016, but it's a part of a larger series on revolutionary lives. I think it was part of a series.
1: That's correct.
0: Right. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me, Gerald. Thank you. And that's it for today's show. I want to thank again, the prolific author gerald horn for joining me today and uh, pacifica radio is certainly looking forward to hosting gerald horn here in dc in early june for the release of his next book revolting capital racism and radicalism in washington dc 1900 to 2000 so stay tuned for more information on that This is On the Ground, ground OnTheGroundShow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. We're on two dozen stations on the Pacifica Radio Network and on all your podcast platforms at On the Ground with Esther Ivarum. Our website and archive of all of our shows is OnTheGroundShow.org. In addition, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and I also link to every show on my Instagram page at Esther underscore Ivarum. Special thank you to our supporters on Patreon.com at On The Ground Show. And our theme music for the show is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Averam. Until next time, take good care and keep raising your voice. And don't forget all the archival audio. More than 30 hours of archival audio featuring Roberson as an orator, singer, in the theater, on, as a, in Othello. All of this audio we've been playing all this week is available on our website it's a it's a package as a CD set or a flash drive and also we have the book Here I stand and we're offering this as our as part of our special celebration for his birthday so if you're you're first tuning in for on the ground this week uh, we've been having awesome programming all week and you can get um, please go pick up that package or pick up the book. Uh, To help us celebrate Paul Robeson And also support the station That's WPFWFM.org And you can pick up uh, More than 30 hours of audio We put together on Paul Robeson And also journalists, friends, comrades Talking about Robeson as well Uh, Just rare, exclusive audio You won't get anywhere else So that's WPFWFM.org You can also pick up the book there Okay, peace.
1: Mother say another
4: thing.
0: On the Ground is a totally listener-sponsored, supported show, and we are in urgent need of your support. If you rely on the show, if you listen to the show, you come to look forward to what we are able to offer every week, please support us on Patreon at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash on the ground show. And you can also give on our website through PayPal or other means if you want to send a check. All that information is there. But please, please support us. I want to thank our supporters on Patreon so much. And for those who are already supporting, if you can tell a friend who you know, would love to sign up, we need the support. Patreon.com forward slash on the ground show, or go to on the ground Thank you.